Hey everyone, so just a quick heads up before we get into the episode, I want to let you know that around 35 minutes into 45 minutes, we are going to be talking about sexual harassment in the industry, specifically regarding the casting couch. So if this is a topic you'd rather avoid listening to, just please feel free to skip ahead those 10 minutes. Alright, let's get into the episode. Hello everyone and welcome back to the 29th episode of Making It Women in Film, a podcast where we sit down with women working across the film and TV industry to learn about their journey, experiences, thoughts and advice. I am your host Evita and usually I would be joined by my wonderful co-host Shania but unfortunately she fell sick today so it's just going to be you, me and our very exciting guest, Emmy Award winning casting director Suzanne Smith. How are you doing today Suzanne? I'm great. It's lovely and sunny here in London. Uh, It's not here. It is not lovely and sunny here. (laughs) Now, you have worked in this industry for many years and in many different mediums of casting from live to recorded um, and on so many exciting projects as well. Most recently, uh, you guys might know her work from shows including Outlander, Warrior Nun, Good Omens and more. So for people who might not know, can you talk a bit about what your job as a casting director entails? Because I think a lot of people, when they watch movies, expect that the director has like handpicked every single one of their actors, but so many people audition and they can't possibly do that. So can you talk about what you do? Right, certainly. Um, The shows that you've mentioned are all television shows. Um, And they, you know, for example, say Outlander, which is currently shooting its sixth season in Scotland. Um, And I've cast all of it, which is fantastic. Um, We work very, casting um, directors work very closely with a producers, especially on television series. Uh, We have a showrunner who's in charge of the creative overall of the episodes. So whether that's choosing directors, helping choose actors, um, they're also sort of writers as well. So um, that, so they know what's going to happen in the, the storytelling in the arcs of the characters and the story. So of course, something like Good Omens or Outlander come from a book. So you've got an idea of the characters already written and then they have to be put in the form of a script for the visuality to take place. On Outland, I work very closely, as I said, you know, with with the producers um, who we talk about the characters, we decide what the sides are going to be in order to give to the actors. Um, On Outlander, for example, I could, um, we didn't need a name, so it was to find actors that were part that really embodied the role. So, uh, and you knew that you had to find a Jamie who was very tall uh, because that was what the fans would expect. Um, And so the casting process is 
in every show very different because you are looking for so many different criteria. You're looking what the um, what the vision is uh, for the for the show. Um, are actors available? You have to mm. check. You know, are they going to be available? Are they going to be available for just one season? In the case of Outlander or Warrior Nun. Um, are they going to be available then for many more seasons? Not every actor wants to do, say, you know, a, a show that can span six seasons. Uh, it's, a, it's a big commitment. And also, if, if you're in another country, and it's sort of a, you could be shooting something in Canada and you've got to make that sort of commitment, especially if you've got a family, you've got to make all those decisions. So I, I know a lot of um, the general public sort of say, yeah, you know, so-and-so could play that role, but it's so many different things come into play. It's sort of, are they available? Do they really want to play the role? Can we afford them? So for my role as casting director, it has evolved a lot since I first started. It's, you have to think of so many different things. Um, and before you even start auditioning, <laughs> um, and then when you audition, you have to try and help the actor as, as much as possible. So not this year, but previous years, we have actually auditioned actors in the flesh. Mm -hmm. Yeah, they come um, in. Yeah, uh, you know. Now things have changed because mm -hmm. everybody self tapes. But before they used to come into my studio and we used to put them on tape, and we occasionally did ask people to self tape. But that wasn't the norm. It was actually sort of trying to get them to come in, and we would put them on tape and then show them to mm -hmm. our director and producers. Yeah. Yeah. And I obviously I can see as a scriptwriter um, having finding the right person to really embody that role, to embody that character. I can really see how that is such a magnificent and just um, almost like kind of magical thing to do where you like pick it out and you make it complete because the actors at the end of the day are the anchor of your show or your movie or your musical. And I know like when I went on your Twitter page, it just says, I love my job. So can you talk about what it is specifically about your job that you love so much and what it was that intrigued you and compelled you to seek out working as a casting director? I always say things, the casting is a bit like, um, a bit like a puzzle. You get one piece and then you get another piece and then you make a complete picture. Uh, and that it, it's fantastic when you and you're thinking because you don't want everything to be the same otherwise you wouldn't so every everything has got to sort of fit in its place uh, I, I love uh, finding discovering sort of new talent which we did for Warrior Nun um, I saw Alba at a um, at Kilkenny, which is a film festival, and I met her there. And I, as soon as I saw her, I went, oh, "She's my lead." Um, and sometimes you know it, sometimes you don't. Um, 
and I asked her if she could tape uh, for me there and then. Uh, really? the, wow. Yes, and she did it. She did it in the bathroom <laughs> <laughs> with another very famous Portuguese um, actor who directed her and some, was the camera person. Um, um, so that it, it is that exciting thing. Sometimes you you know uh, who the actor should be. Uh, sometimes you don't. Sometimes, and neither do necessarily producers or directors. Sometimes they do. Sometimes you know it's amazing. You, um, as I say, you get one, and then you 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 build up your family, uh, so to speak. Uh, and other times it's, it can be the very first person that you bring in. Sometimes it can be the last person that you, that you see. Uh, sometimes, you know, you don't, when you start the process, it, it is that exciting that you're trying to bring that, as you said, the words and the vision in, into being. Um, and, it's not always, you know, you can, you want somebody and you want a lovely actor and they seem interested, but they can say no to you. So then you always have to then think, you know, who else would fit the role? Uh, so that's always, you know, that there have been disappointments, but there's been, you know, excitement and thrills uh, mm -hmm. al along the way. Uh, and I think the more experience you have, the more you you sort of have a feeling um, how things are going. I'm always, a, I am a very positive person. So I always know that I am going to find that gem in the rough, so to speak, or hidden away. And sometimes you get, um, not everybody agrees on, on choices because it is, in the end, it is not only say a director or producer who, who makes choices, sometimes it is the actual network or the studio who have a say in who they want. And whether it is a, an American network studio or even you know, BBC ITV, even for one-liners, they, they want approval. Wow, really? Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, it is, you know, for the for the actors out there listening, it's, it's, you know, I've seen some wonderful auditions and people haven't got the role. And it's, I know sometimes they wonder, you know, what did I do wrong? You've done nothing wrong. It's just sometimes it's a choice by, you know, the director or the showrunner or the studio. Sometimes, you know, there are many different ways you can choose. Yeah, it's a, it's a tough business factors, um, especially probably for actresses, considering that there are just a lack of female roles and then more women are encouraged to be actors as well. Uh, and so just like statistically, it's just never going to match up completely. There are, I mean, there are no more roles. When I first started there, it was always, oh my God. You know, the, when I first started, it was like the lead, the beautiful lead and the best friend. And then occasionally there was the odd, it was far more top heavy with, with male actors. 
And that was always, you know, why. But then there was always popular series that have featured women in, in them. And you go, well, don't writers or networks actually see that this is, but now they have seen, I, I, I do. But when I first started, it was, it was difficult to, um, to not embrace and not wonder why. Um, and because there were more men writing, I think. Yeah, yeah. That you didn't have, that there were certainly more women, say in theater, I think they embraced uh, sort of mm -hmm. women writing more than say, you know, television. We all have a voice, we all have a story uh, and that's important to, to tell. Uh, and it's, it's, and also say, I mean, I, I did a, I've done a series called Shadow and Bone, which will air on the 23rd of April for Netflix. And that has a very sort of diverse cast. Um, again, from books, uh, Lee Bardot, uh, a fantastic sort of uh, storytelling. Uh, and that's so, uh, and I'm really pleased that now that there are more stories um, that are out there that have leading characters that are women. Um, especially as you mentioned, um, there is that thing where so many actresses are afraid that after, you know, they turn 40, they're just not going to have a career. While, you know, when you look at the roles for men, it goes up when they turn 40. Uh, and it's just something that desperately needs to change. And you don't stop, you know, being, being an actress when you hit a certain age, you know, you don't and there are so many incredible stories that uh, that need to be told, and with a population that is, uh, you know, that, that goes up to eighties, nineties, or even a hundred. If you think of, uh, if you think of all these wonderful uh, actors out there, and that's one job that you don't have to retire from. You know, it's sort of, it's, um, you can keep, I think in our industry, you know, you, there's no set retirement age, you know, directors don't retire at a certain age, nor do cameramen, people, I should say. Um, and that's something that an experience, you know, brings a lot of knowledge. Uh, and often, you know, you are in a situ situation where you go, well, uh, you know, somebody will say, who else is there? And you have to make sure that you, as a casting person, have explored every single you know, avenue that you can genuinely say, you know, there is no one else. Or why don't we go back to somebody that we saw right at the very beginning? Um, and I, I would just like to sort of say how everything has changed in this last year. So, you know, actors are self-taping. We're not seeing actors in the flesh. Well, at least I, I, I'm not, and many of my uh, fellow casting directors. So it, it's been very interesting to see the wonderful creativity um, that actors have, you know, by putting a studio in their house, uh, what what I mean by a studio, not really a studio, but like a, you know, board, you can't see me, but I mean, I'm just doing like sort of a, a, a blue board or against a wall or, um, 
and having, you know, their child read with them, them read with themselves <laughs> or their mother read with them. Doesn't quite work if you're a teenager and you're trying to do a love scene with you and it's your mother, but uh, yeah. <laughs> it's a bit hard. And also we've done some casting over Zoom. So it, it has... Or, and we've done some coaching as well, you know, over, over Zoom, because often when you've got an actor in the room, you can try different ways and you can help them. So now, you know, you get a self-tape, we look at it, and sometimes we get actors to redo that self-tape with, with notes. Um, just to, because sometimes you don't always get the script as an actor for whatever reason, you know, sort of if it's uh, um, a Marvel or Netflix, you know, they like to keep everything secret and because they don't want it to be out there, which I totally understand. So you, sometimes actors only get scenes sent to them. They don't get the whole, so it's sometimes difficult to understand um, what exactly, where my character fits into the story, um, who am I talking to, where am I? Mm -hmm. What's the state of the scene? All yeah, what's mm -hmm. the stake? Uh, what's yeah. So we yeah. tried to give them as much help as possible. On one show, I actually recorded the information, like where you are, what you're doing, who you're talking to, so we could put that out with the audition sites. Mm. Um, to, to help um, help everybody because also you know the other thing is we're it's so nice to actually be talking to you because now it's, it's such an email run uh, <laughs> imagine yeah and we're used to being in an off in my office it was we speak to agents all the time and now it's you you, you, you everything is done on email because the agents are, are at home like i'm at home uh so it's uh so you can't really then explain what the seat so you have to put everything sort of in an email as much as possible about sort of uh so that's what we we did on a on a show which we uh cast last year yeah, how um, obviously there's been a lot of changes just in 2020 because of the world circumstance that we are all in. Um, but before that, was when did self-taping really begin to become like kind of the standard, would you say? I, um, I think it was in the last, say, two years, there's been a lot of self-taping. There's certainly been lots of sort of... I. Well, the last five or six years, I've, I've always sort of done things with Welsh College, you know, sort of, um, well, Welsh, um, where I've gone down normally for the second year or, or third year and given them a talk. And then we've done scenes on the camera and I've sort of helped them with their self-taping. And, um, and I, because most drama schools have been, don't really have an, a, a lot of classes on, on taping and self-tapes. I, I don't know if that has changed in the last year. Uh, so a lot of actors, when they come out of drama school, are not, not used to it. Certainly a lot of older actors are not used to it, but they have become used to it in these COVID times. Um, and as I said, they've been very creative and I've been so impressed with all their auditions. It's, uh, uh, you know, learning how to uh, 
not only just tape it, but how to send it, because that's also it's because at one time I remember we used to be sent very large um, large tapes so it was always difficult to download and then upload you know sort of on, on mm. so so I think you know people have become technically aware and also technology has changed so much that you can you know tape on your iPad you can tape on your phone mm. sure it's very accessible They're very accessible and you learn I think you know a lot of people learnt by sort of what's the best lighting what not to wear, you know, sort of mm. like something that pixelates, which is tends to be stripes or things like that. Oh, yeah. stripes, yeah. <laughs> Been there, done that. <laughs> and what's the, what's the best background, you know, for your skin tone or the lighting? Sometimes, you know, sometimes it, it's sort of half is lit and then half is in shadow and don't do profile. It's sort of all those things you, you, you learn. Um, I think people have been incredible at adapting to the circumstances we're in. And agents. I mean, I, the other thing is, I think age, talking to uh, talking to a few agents in the last couple of days, they they've sort of said that their job has become a lot more than it used to be because before they would just say, "Oh, you'll be at Suzanne Smith's at you know eleven o'clock tomorrow." Now it's you know here's the sides, tape it, get it to me by blah 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 and then when the actor sends it they have to look at it and make sure that it, it is it is fine to send to the casting director and then send it to us so that means that's you know treble their workload mm -hmm. yeah so can I ask how does one become a casting director what was the process like for you where did you first start out I know you were like as a casting assistant right yes. and then kind of working your way up but how do you first get into that in my day it was a lot harder I, th I, I, I think it's hard anyway in my day I studied drama to teach so that's and I didn't know what casting was so I I've got a teaching certificate which comes in useful when I cast children I think sort of, uh, sometimes um, and I didn't know what I wanted to do, like most, not everybody knows what their career path is going to be, but I, I knew that I liked drama and I liked theatre. Um, I worked for um, a sort of uh, restaurant, theatre restaurant company, first of all, as a res doing reservations, I went to Australia because I wanted to see the world a little bit. And I actually managed, I don't know how I did it, I managed a post-production film house in Sydney. And then I came back and it was really difficult to know what I should do, where I should, where I could fit in. And I, I had done a secretarial course and sort of, I thought, oh gosh, it, it was hard to know what area to go into. And then a friend of mine, uh, she'd been at the RSC and she'd been casting, um, she'd been casting independently and she said, oh, I need somebody to help me out like a day a week. And that's how I found out what casting. And it was very interesting. And so one, one, one day became, three days became sort of like a week. And 
the job that she was on was finishing and um, a casting director that she'd worked with off and on when she was at the RSC independently called Rose Tobias Shaw was, she said, oh, Rose needs an assistant. Go and meet Rose. And so I went to meet Rose and she was American. Um, and Rose, uh, I was her, her assistant for five years. She wouldn't let me go back. She just said, you're mine. <laughs> <laughs> so I learned so much from Rose, not just in casting, because she'd been there when it was, it was actually when dramas were filmed live. All right. Uh, so, uh, and all the sto wonderful stories, because she came from New York that she had to, to tell, you know, like I would, she would say, you know, I, I went to the set of The Misfits and I was sort of going, oh, uh, <laughs> and, you know, Marlon Brown, like, oh, really? Uh, you know, sort of all these wonderful stories. Uh, but uh, she, she was very good at her job. She was considered a doyen. Um, uh, of her time and so she taught me an awful lot and we worked on sort of a lot of American big American shows um, and then when I uh, and there were times <clears throat> when I was working for her um, that she wasn't busy when she wasn't busy I would have to go out, out and, and find work and I worked at the National Theatre for um, for about three or four weeks. Um, and that was that was so interesting. And I found that that was another sort of avenue to follow. And I did go back to the National Theatre and worked on Carousel for Nick Heitner. Um, so it, it was, it opened an, a, my eyes to sort of different, because I'd always gone to the theatre, but it was, actually casting theatre, it was so different and, and also casting musicals, because then I went on to do a couple of musicals, um, was so interesting and so varied. And I suppose I have, have the kind of mind that likes doing different things. Um, and I get excited by something that is sort of new. Um, and, uh, I like challenges, basically. <laughs> not, not everybody does, you know, so it's sort of, but I do enjoy challenges. Mm -hmm. And for somebody who might want to get into casting now, what, it's obviously a very different environment, not just because of COVID, but oh, because times have changed. It's changed so much. I mean, there's yeah. so many different casting areas that you can go into, which is, a lot of theatres, you know, theatres do have casting, there's commercial casting, um, there is, you know, film and television. In my day, you know, television wasn't the superpower it is now. And it is, you know, you can attract fabulous actors to television. Uh, Normally, you know, for a um, limited series as opposed to something that has a lot of options attached to it. Uh, so casting now is, there is a National Film Television School do, uh, actually do a course. Oh, really? Yes, on, on, um, on, on casting. It's, it's, uh, this is the, their first year so that they've, uh, uh, other times, you know, I have chosen assistants who come from university um, 
who who want to get in who um, not everybody I mean if you're busy and unfortunately this time you know we're not in offices so we can't really train people so it's it's a it's harder I I do have a staff that um that I um that I have and we've been together for quite some time um so we all understand one another we zoom every day we you know we talk um and we have when we were in an office we occasionally we needed somebody you know for two weeks or three weeks just to sort of help out and we could explain so I think for people coming into the industry, it it will be better sort of towards the end uh, the end of this year, um, and uh, because of, as I say, we're all working from home, so hopefully we will be working back in our, our office sometime this year. Um, but it is. Um, I'm a member of the. We have a guild here, the CDG. Um, and there are, I've forgotten how many, how many of us, so there's quite a few, hundreds of us, whether you're a casting director or casting assistant or casting associate, you know, you, you can join. And we often do put out, you know, sort of if, uh, casting directors do put out sort of if they're looking for an assistant or, you know, how experienced that assistant is or, Sometimes on Twitter, I've seen that um, casting directors have sort of put out that they're looking for, for an, uh, an assistant. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I think there are a lot of opportunities you can find on Twitter, um, both for actors and everyone in the industry. There's a lot of uh, call outs there that people should go seek out. I, I often uh, do retweet if I see jobs, obviously paying jobs. I'm not a believer in in the, and I've always paid, you know, sort of anybody who's worked for me. I've, I've, I've never done that sort of internal route because I just don't think that that. No. <laughs> yeah. Um, so do you have an audition you'd say it's like a standout? Something you can remember if you can talk about it. And if not, what are some things that you want to see in an, in an audition? I think the main thing is that you're truthful. Because if you don't believe what you're seeing, it's it's not going to work, is it? So, and an audition is always something that is quite false because you're not in the uh, you're not in the setting, you're not in the costume, you don't have the props. Uh, so memorable, you know, have been when I was doing Carousel at the National, somebody actually did come in with a costume. With a crinoline. And you just go, uh, I think I can imagine, because it was a singing audition. So it was, it was you didn't need to dress up. Um, I think that's what I mean by keeping, keeping it real. Um, in When you're doing a, uh, um, an audition, uh, the camera audition, it, it's normally sort of from head to sort of chest, sort of. Uh, and you don't need to look directly at the camera unless you're doing like a dear diary. Because sometimes I think it, it's, 
it's hard because then you sort of outspook yourself. Um, standout auditions. Uh, I always, when he first started, I loved having James McAvoy come and read. He would always do something that was truth and in spirit with, with what we were doing, but also slightly different. And I'd go, oh, wow, I never thought of that. Yeah. I can imagine that. Um, mm -hmm. mm, it, it, uh, and it's it, it, it's lovely helping young young ones who are first starting because it, it is as I said it's sort of unreal in in a sense because if you, you you've got to learn to look relaxed you can do that on the stage because you've learned the techniques but actually doing something on camera, you have to do something that's a little bit less. And you have to learn how to relax into something. Um, in my studio, you, we, we give them the opportunity, do you want to sit or do you want to stand? And, and, and that's sometimes also helpful is, is that if you have come from theater, you do know that, and sometimes if you haven't come from theater, uh, drama school, uh, you, you know that, you know, posture is part of a character. And, I, I, you know, if you are an actor, then I would sort of think about that, you know, sort of not always do people give you the opportunity to stand and sit. But uh, if you do feel that, that it is part of your character, if you're playing a military character, then, you know, certainly mm -hmm. use that bearing. Yeah, I think it's uh, casting is such an interesting thing that's not really talked about very much. Like the actually how you should um, go into an audition. Um, but it's also, it's a pretty vulnerable position, right? Because it's a job interview, essentially. It is a job interview, which you cannot control um, because uh, as an actor, uh, and, and, and often, you know, you do have actors who sort of come out and go, I didn't really do very well, you know, or what, and they get the gig. Because it, it, it is very personal and you're not really viewing yourself. Uh, you're just, it's how you feel at that, at that moment in time. Um, and it, it has changed because when I first started, you would meet a director. You would actually physically meet a director in a room. Uh, most of my shows, you don't meet. You're meeting us. And I always say, you know, I'm called a casting director because actually I do help direct you uh, and give you feedback or try and help you or make suggestions. Um, so it, it has changed from right at the very beginning where you would sit in a room with a director to now, sometimes you do that on callbacks or chemistry reads, or even now, if you're doing a show where you've got everybody in different countries, you sometimes have to do something that's connected to Zoom or Skype or, or whatever that they're in, they can view the actor, but you're not mm -hmm. physically in the... Yeah. I think it's... Um... Obviously, when uh, the Me Too movement was at its peak, um, so many of the actresses who spoke out um, spoke about their very early auditions. Many of that were where they were asked to have dinner with the director, and that was when they would be taken advantage of, especially since they were young and often inexperienced, and they kind of just had to, quote-unquote, take it. That was how it was, and they were kind of... Um, 
it was kind of put on them if they uh, either didn't want to do something. Um, uh, and I think with self tapes, especially, I mean, that has created a, a new layer of protection for actresses. Um, and, and now you mentioned like um, that you don't often audition people in costumes, um, but from interviews I was reading, it, a thing many young actresses recalled was how they were asked to audition in bikini, in bikinis and highly revealing clothing. Um, so what are some changes you've observed um, from like your inside perspective in the industry and with casting from the attitude when it comes to casting and some actual things that have like actually changed in that process? Well, I think a lot, a lot has changed. I mean, I've been lucky that I, I've never been in a position where uh, I, I've been hit upon or uh, seen an actor being hit upon. Apart from once when I was just, I just finished working with Rose and I was doing a sort of uh, low budget television. Uh, no, it was a film, it was a one-off film. And uh, the director, uh, who was very sleazy, uh, said, can I have that actress's telephone number? And I went, no. He said, well, you won't be working with me again. I said, that's fine. Uh, I just thought that was so inappropriate. And, um, and it's, and I can see, I mean, we always make sure that we, uh, when I was working with Rose and also by, you know, by myself, is that you would always have auditions in appropriate places. With Rose, we were at the Athenaeum Hotel, which was wonderful because we would have, you know, there was no bed. We would have a room with, uh, that had, was specially for auditioning. And she would make sure there was tea and coffee, trolley with biscuits for the actors while they waited. We always made sure that there wasn't a big waiting room, that everybody was um, uh, calm and everybody was friendly. Um, apart from one director who was so rude. Um, <laughs> never really? said hello to the oh. actors. We were just sort of going, we would have to, you know, I was outside and I was like, Suzanne, you've got something to explain to them, you know, sort of. Uh, uh, but I remember with a, I was with a fellow, fellow casting director and we were having a drink in, uh, in a hotel uh, um, just to have a catch up. And we saw Harvey come into the hotel with a, with a whole gaggle of girls behind her and looked at one another and just went, um, So, it, it, you know, I have been lucky in that. I always, in breakdowns, we would always sort of, we always do, and I always have it spelt out exactly, because on Outlander there is some nudity. So we always spell out exactly what uh, is going to be, and for the men as well as women. <laughs> isn't to add it, you probably know. Um, so we spell out everything. Um, on Outlander, we, we've had a lot of women directors, we have women producers, uh, which I think is fantastic. Um, and, you know, we've had, it, it's that sort of care and consideration. I mean, any, 
So I've always been present at any auditions that needed to be. Um, uh, I think it's, it, it is very, um, and it's not just women, it's, it's men who have been placed in intricate situations. Um, and I, I, it is a lot better now, but, um, but I'm, you know, I think it's, uh, and it's hard. I think it's really brave of people to actually sort of say I was abused. And I think it's, and it's because you have to relive so much of something that you probably kept mm -hmm. suppressed. It's a, it's a very brave thing to do. Um from so many perspectives and reliving it but also fearing to be blacklisted and all of these things um it, you know before the me too movement got like wind under its wings so many actresses were blacklisted and such when they did speak up yeah. um and they were just ruled out because people didn't want to work with somebody who would out them as sexual assaulters um and i think for, it's so great to hear how much has changed um but it's still a thing where it's uh, i was holding like a, a poll on our instagram and um a lot of people are just like i'm, I'm just i'm kind of scared <laughs> to work uh like i don't because you know you see the statistics that around 95 percent of women in hollywood will at some point in the career be sexually assaulted or harassed it's um it's not something anyone wants to throw themselves into. I, I think if you've got a good agent, if you, because um, you can ask that, you should be able to ask those questions, whether it is to the, your agent who is meant to protect you, um, to the casting director, if you feel, uh, I mean, an actress once said to me, she's, uh, um, she, she wasn't in my casting, I, I happened to, to meet her uh, in the spotlight, and she just said, can I ask you something, I don't feel comfortable doing, um, I've been auditioning for, for this project, I don't feel comfortable, and they've offered it to me, I don't feel comfortable doing it, I said, go with your instinct, if you don't feel comfortable, if you feel uncomfortable, don't do it. Um, because your instinct is telling you it's not right. Um, so I, I think you, you should not be afraid. But there are plenty of scammers out there. I know, you know, sort of uh, um, who, because I always remember <laughs> Gone with the Wind. I mean, this is years and years and years ago. There was a big thing about a group of uh, guys who went round uh, America pretending that they were casting for Gone with the Wind and would get all these sort of young hopefuls sleeping with them. Um, and there have been reports of, um, you know, people pretending to be from a network and not so, but you can do your research. Research who the casting director is research what their email is, research who they are, what they look like. You can, there's so many ways now that you can on Instagram, on, uh, you just Google in somebody and they, they will pop up. If they haven't got a history, if they're not a member of the CDG or the CSA in America, that would be big red flags. What are some uh, other red flags uh, that you would say if, if uh, an actor or actress saw that they should absolutely not do do it? 
Well, I mean, if you're asked to, um, to actually take off your clothes in an audition, no, that should not be taking place. Yeah. That, mm. is, that is inappropriate. Um, and I think it's also what you're talking about, like it's, it's a job interview you don't have control of. And I think um, all of what you're about to do in your audition should be on the table beforehand. You sh there's nothing that should come up and be like, oh, right, so you're willing to go nude for this film? Okay, take your clothes off. No, no. No, it should be, or if it's, if it's, if that happens in the room, walk out, do not, do not engage because it should all be there in black and white, exactly what you are meant to, you know, whether it's, don't lie, you know, if it's horse riding, <laughs> if we're asking you for horse riding skill, you should be able to horse ride. All those things should be, should be laid out, you know, sort of, yes, we want to see your bare bottom, um, no full frontal, it should all be outlined. So you know exactly what, job entails which is for any job exactly. what are some things that actors can do if they do experience this how would you suggest that they take action towards it well i mean number one you know if they've got an agent they should speak to to, to the agent um i i think you know there's if they're a member of equity they should you know talk to to, to equity um if they are not um then it's try and find a mentor that you can speak to you know somebody that you that is older and wiser than you or um and nobody is going to really push you away um if you uh it, 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 it and you know nowadays there are so many sort of outlets whether it is um that, that you can talk to, but I would talk to somebody, whether it's producer, director, fellow actor, casting director, is just sort of, you know, go, go through anything. Don't, don't sort of do it by yourself. You, there, there are plenty of people that you, that you can talk to and say, is this appropriate? And you know, aid, agents, whether it is your agent or, you know, even, um, and, and, and if, an, if you don't feel comfortable with your agent, I mean, look at the history. You can also look at the history of your agency, you know, sort of, uh, you know, how long they've been in, be, uh, in, how long they have been there. Are they a limited company? You can in company's house to find out, you know, sort of, is that a bona fide company? How long they've been in being? who their directors are. There's so much, you know, you can yeah. research now. Mm -hmm. Do your research and uh, talk to people, find your people. Yeah. But don't, don't do it alone. I mean, there's, you know, there's the Actors Centre. There's so many different um, places, I think, that you, that you, can, yeah. you can talk mm -hmm. to people. Uh, I also wanted to talk a bit about uh, typecasting. Um, what has been your experience with that and um, obviously typecasting some people think of it as an actor who's constantly getting casted in you know a very specific type of character role um, but when we see it when it comes to minorities it also becomes stereotype casting 
um, where often they're asked to perform in hyperbolic, stereotypical ways. Um, for example, black women are often expected to be sassy, Latinas are expected to be loud and with a Spanish accent and etc. Uh, now these, because we're finally seeing more inclusion behind the scenes in writers' rooms and directors, we're seeing more um, diversity and representation there. We're also seeing that translating into the characters that they're being asked to play. Um, what have, how have you seen the industry change when it comes to typecasting over the past decade or so? I think American television has always been sort of ahead in the sense that they've had a lot of diverse casting. Uh, and I've done mostly American television, so it's sort of, uh, but we had it in the theater long before, uh, you know, the RSC, Black Princes, National Theatre, it was, it was always, it, we've always had that diverse casting. Um, yes, about sort of, this is a very interesting subject about sort of stereotypes because in my team, I have um, Glenda, who's um, half Italian, half Argentinian. So she, she would be, uh, you know, how, how, how people are portrayed, whether they're foreign or, uh, or the, it, it, it's, it's, it, I think it has, is changing, um, but it's the same as the, you know, like the geeky best friend, you know, so you, you do get sort of, it's in writing, isn't it? But um, on, on how things are. I, you know, I, lo I love how sometimes, you know, you don't have to make a meal of why this character is, like in Bridgerton, it didn't matter. It's the story that, uh, that was told. Uh, and we all engage with that. You don't have to sort of give a backstory. You know, I remember once sort of bringing in a, uh, an actor for a role and uh, you know, they were questioning, oh, but you know, do they match? Well, they're, they're brothers, you know, sort of what, what one is white and one isn't, you know, you don't, you're not talking about who their parents are because they're not seen. Um, and that is like real life, isn't it? So, you know, sort of it's, um, we did win by the way. Um, <laughs> it's in it's interesting it's uh on on what it i do remember a film that i was involved in and i wanted a black actor for the lead and i was vetoed um that would be totally different now at the end um this type of casting is also, uh, you know, it's related to the roles that are written. It's the same reason we're seeing so many more uh, women uh, in film, so many more people of color in film. And we're also seeing that there is um, a lot of people want authentic representation, especially when it comes to LGBTQ representation and uh, representation of disabilities and so people want it more authentically than before so it's really great to see um now um what are some last things that you would like to say just generally about the future of casting as you see it for the people who are listening this is interesting because i know sort of it's i i think well i know you know we're we 
we are considered as sort of essential workers at this, this moment in time because we all need that entertainment. And there are so many interesting story shows out there. And I am really, really so pleased, not just say um, UK actors, but say European actors are also getting their voice. Because at one time, I think a lot of, and this is to do with your other question as well, uh, when it was like, so do we, un uh, sometimes the networks, this is like 10 years ago, would say, well, do we understand them? You know, they're Italian or they're French, is how thick is their accent now? You know, look at Warrior Nun, different accents. So it's, um, and so many other shows that we have had, you know, lots of uh, universal casting. Um, and I think that's happening, you know, more um, where, you know, where we get somebody from India, we get somebody from Australia, we get somebody from Europe. And that's representative of our world yeah. anyway. Uh, yeah. On, if you look to the news, I mean, it, it's, we're not just in this country, we are, the news is universal. Uh, and that is important because what is proved in this, in this time with COVID, it is a universal. Mm -hmm. It really is. I think cinema and television is one of the most universal things. It's what binds us all together and uh, how we often learn about each other as well. Yeah. And the interesting thing, you know, with Netflix and Amazon is I found that quite a lot of the young actors in different countries, their English is very good because mm -hmm. they've been listening to shows not dubbed. But in... That's how I learned it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It, it, and I call it the Netflix effect because that's it, and 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 actually I'm sure that uh, say you know, people do like watching things in the natural. I, I, I love you know reading subtitles. I, I'd love mm -hmm. to hear everything in French and German and and not dubbed because I find that weird because I know that's not their voices and it just sort of uh, doesn't gel with me. Yeah. I think we're seeing such a, especially, I think Parasite was a huge milestone for international cinema in that sense where we need to just stop only looking at Hollywood when it comes to movies. It is, cinema is so wide and there's so many different histories and different nuances across the world um, and beautiful stories um, that are right there. And it's like, as Bong Joon-ho said, it's just that one inch tall barrier, right? The subtitles. Yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, and, and, but I think more and more people are getting used to it. Yeah. It's, um, and I, I remember, you know, there were so many good films, European films, and then they would have to try and redo them uh, in America with a... <laughs> no, no. <laughs> Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. I think the accessibility we're seeing, especially with COVID, it's one of the few good things that have come out of it is that we're just so, yeah, I mean, jumping on a Zoom call, uh, finding people across the world. It's just uh, become what we do now. Um, and I hope it's something we can keep on doing. Yeah. I think we, we can. I mean, the only thing that at the moment is sort of is, is problematic is visas, COVID yeah. travel, mm -hmm. uh, 
um, quarantining. It's all those. It's all those things that you have to take into account when doing a show. And it, so it's not that simple now. Yeah. That, that you can have somebody. Uh, that, uh, and also Brexit. Uh, uh, you I have. Know. To, you have to think about all these different things. So you do become. Uh, quite sort of on your, you have to be on your toes to think about how does this work? How can I make this work? Cause that's the other part of casting that I never really sort of got into that you have to be, you have to keep to budgets. You have to sort of think of all these other things. It's not just plain casting an actor. It's, you know, sort of how can I make it work? And also sometimes, you know, actors have, a, a, have another job and you, and that's harder in the COVID world because, you know, so what happens if your production stops because you have COVID cases, um, then that affects another production. So there's, there's so many other things that you have to take into consideration. Yeah, it's become quite unpredictable. Um, but hopeful. I am hopeful. very, very hopeful. Yeah, yeah. And um, it seems like we are, I mean, I don't want to say that we're getting closer to the finish line, because I could have also said that six months ago. But, you know, it feels like we're getting there. Um, it does, yeah. it does. And, and, and I just want to say, you know, to everybody who's, who's listening to this, you know, there, there is, there are opportunities, and I do believe, you know, our, our business will be booming and glowing, and that theatres will be back, and that. But also, just think that there have been so many people busy writing things. Yes. I hope <laughs> during time that there will be a lot, a lot of, you know, interesting content mm. out there that I can't wait to see. Yeah, uh -huh, definitely. Now, we always ask this question at the end of our uh, interview. And is there a woman in your life, professionally or personally, that you would like to give a shout out to? Who inspires you? Well, I mean, Rose Tobyshaw inspired me. Um, but I suppose uh, one of my best friends is Meg Lieberman, who is... Um, at, at CBS, uh, and she was an independent casting director who, uh, whose mother was a casting director um, and who is a wonderful human being as well as, well as being totally inspirational in her uh, way of uh, Conducting business, everybody loves Meg, um, and you, you know, you. She's highly intelligent, and I'm so pleased that she's my friend. And I should give a shout out to my team, which is Laura, because they, they, you know, uh, Laura Windows, who's been with me for about seven years, Caitlin Joseph, who's been with me for about three years, and Glenda Mariani, who's been with me for about three years. You're amazing people, and I love you. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's so good. And uh, how can they contact me? Um, well, I'm on the CDG website. I'm sure if you Google me, all my details will come up. Great, great. Uh, thank you so much for coming on. This has been a really great and insightful conversation.
Thank you all for listening to this episode. Now, if you want anything in the meantime, until next week's episode, you can go to our pretty new website, womeninfilm.co.uk. We have articles, essays, reviews, and so on, uh, as well as show notes, highlights. If you want to go back and listen to some of the things we've been talking about, you can find a list of our topics. And uh, yeah, have a great day. I'll see you next week.